baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Amy Marks, Coors, and Chris Ranji on KMOX. It is hour two of the show with you until one o'clock today. And guess what? We've got uh, Billy Joel and Sting tickets that we're going to give away today. At some point, you need to be listening for your chance to win. Billy Joel and Sting will be at Bush Stadium September 27th. People may remember that announcement. A huge announcement it was a last huge, week. A special one with Joe Buck. So all week we're giving away tickets for that. That's awesome. Time to go to the Quiver River Electric guest line. And uh, joining us today is Juliet Rothenberg, a climate AI product manager at Google. And the reason we have Juliet on the show today is there is a very cool thing called Project Greenlight. And what this does, and we'll let her ex- explain it a little bit better, but it's supposed to make traffic more efficient. Juliet, we appreciate you on the show today. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you very much, Chris and Amy. So we are very, I'm excited to have you because mm-hmm. one of my, uh, one of the worst things in my existence yeah. is this traffic light that's about two blocks away <laughs> from where I work that there's never any cross traffic, but I spend most of my day waiting at this light. Can you guys start there? It's Spruce, Spruce, and 14th. Spruce and 14th in St. Louis. Yeah. Bring your system here, please. Honestly, this is the most personal, pressing issue that Chris Ranji <laughs> has oh my ever God. voiced an opinion I on. I lose my mind. So, uh, first of all, is tell that me. why you invited me here today? Yes, is that the it reason? is. <laughs> the question is, can you start there? And if the answer is no, then we'll say goodbye. Thank you for joining us. Self-serving. Um, no. So, well, tell us about. We would love the city of St. Louis to work with us. We're not yet in St. Louis, but okay. we, we hope to expand soon. So, right. tell us about Project Greenlight. So Project Greenlight uses uh, AI and Google Maps driving trends to uh, analyze thousands of intersections across the city simultaneously and develop recommendations to reduce stop-and-go traffic and emissions. And so this basically means not only is it better for the environment, but traffic flow will be smoother and you'll have less, less frustration? Exactly. So by reducing stop-and-go traffic, we're reducing one of the major sources of emissions at intersections, which is accelerating after stopping. It takes a lot of energy to get that big car moving again. And so we're also reducing frustration for drivers, right? Because who likes to be in stop-and-go traffic? It's not my favorite thing either. So that is, that's what's interesting because, you know, when you have a, a, an intersection, somebody has to wait. You know, there, somebody has to be in the car at the red lights so that other people can move. How, how does this technology determine who should wait longer and when that should happen? So now AI has not figured out yet how to make it so our traffic lights don't have to have a red light every now and again. If we could, of course, that would be amazing. Uh, but what we do is we analyze the driving trends at the intersection so we can develop a model of each intersection and then we can understand how that intersection relates to intersections around it. And one of the biggest opportunities that we've seen is when intersections are adjacent to each other but they're running out of sync. So you go from one traffic light that's green smack into another traffic light that's red when we could say, hey, let's coordinate these traffic lights together 
so that you're able to go through both simultaneously instead of having to do one after the other. That's a big area of opportunity that we've seen. Okay, I just thought of another area I need you to address on uh, the street called Kings <laughs> Highway. There's a hospital, yeah. and there are a succession of like six traffic lights, and they're never in sync. So could you? Uh, that's number two. Yeah. So I want you to handle this one intersection by my work and then the next one by my house. Yeah, and honestly, I think... I'm taking some notes. Yes, and there's one on Jefferson, too, right, coming out of Soulard that I know is a big yeah. problem. Okay. Yeah, but, you got a lot of work to do here, Juliet. In all, all seriousness, I'm looking at this. So Greenlight is in 70 intersections in 12 cities around the world. So in Haifa, in Israel, to Budapest, to Manchester, mm-hmm. England, Abu Dhabi, uh, Jakarta, Rio, Seattle. Are you seeing... Um, pretty similar data and improvements coming out of all of these cities and are all of these cities pretty busy as far as their intersections go? You know, the amazing thing is that we are, I love this question because, you know, if you've ever traveled to these different places, right, you see how different traffic is in the different locations that we're talking about. We're live, you know, for example, in Bangalore and Calcutta and Hyderabad, India, as well as Jakarta, as well as Rio de Janeiro. And, you know, traffic in these cities looks really different from traffic in Seattle or traffic in Florida, where we're also now live, or traffic in Hamburg, Germany, where we see a lot of pedestrians and cyclists. And what's amazing is that we're able to see similar outcomes across these cities of, you know, reducing stop and go traffic is possible, and it also reduces emissions. Okay, just from a practical standpoint, because I don't understand necessarily how this works. (laughs) <laughs> with, uh, with these intersections in these cities, do they have to be consecutive intersections and or how many in a row do you need to tell if it's working or not? They do not, no. So there are many locations where we've optimized a single intersection. There are other locations where we've optimized multiple intersections, you know, two, five, et cetera. Uh, and the piece that we really look for is many cities have their intersections so that their traffic engineers can control them from a computer in a building somewhere that's usually in the center of the city. We like that because what we've heard from city traffic engineers is it then can take them just five minutes to implement one of the recommendations that we have. Now, we've also worked for cities where that's not the case. Uh, where they actually have to go out, in that case, to a little control box that's near an intersection. I don't know if you all have never ever noticed these things. I hadn't before. But they go and they actually reprogram the traffic light at that control box. That obviously is a lot harder for us to you know, work with them on many intersections quickly. And our goal is, as you suggested, you know, hey, let's, let's bring this to as many intersections as we can quickly because of the benefits both for drivers and for the planet. Juliet Rothenberg, Climate AI Product Manager at Google, is with us on KMOX. You did say that not working with St. Louis, obviously, right now, how, and this is sort of a trial uh, phase that you're in, I I guess, uh, for lack of a better word, do you reach out to cities and ask them if they are interested? Do they reach out to you? How does this work? When we initially started working with cities, they weren't aware of what we were doing. So yes, absolutely. We were reaching out to them saying, hey, we think we've got something cool here. Could you work with us and help us figure out if this is valuable or not? And we were really fortunate to have great cities partner with us early on. Um, we now, if you go and you Google Project Greenlight, you can, you can see our website and uh, cities can sign up for our wait list. And we're really grateful to have a, a large number of cities who are interested in this. And so our team is now actively working on bringing this to as many cities as we can. 
That was actually going to be my question completely seriously. Um, if St. Louis did want to be part of this, who, how, how do we get involved? Does it cost the city anything? Do you talk to the mayor, to the Board of Aldermen? Who gives, who greenlights, no pun intended, this, this project? <laughs> So absolutely, Googling Project Greenlight, signing up for our wait list is the way to go. Um, we usually work with city traffic engineers and transportation departments as well as, you know, we've had conversations with a number of mayors. One of the things that we've seen that's been really exciting too is when we work, for example, with the city of Manchester in the UK, they were so excited about this that they said, hey, please talk to the UK national government uh, and let's have a conversation more broadly about, about what we can do across. And, you know, of course, we're still in the early days of developing this technology. And so there's more work that we need to do, but we are actively focused on bringing this to more and more cities. How do you believe if, um, or if or how this will affect traffic safety? Now, we're talking about wait times and, you know, fuel efficiency and that sort of thing, but does it affect safety in any way? So there's one story that I can share from our team's time in Budapest, where our team was actually standing at the intersection at the point that the traffic engineers made the update and so they could see some of the results just really in real time. And one of the things that they noticed that was really, I think, striking for us was there were a lot of drivers who were very frustrated at what was, quite frankly, a pretty bad traffic light configuration uh, before we came in and made the change. And so there were a lot of drivers who were running that red light. And then after the change was made, they saw many, many fewer drivers running the red light. And of course, you know, running red lights is a real risk for people walking around cities. So that's one area where we've seen an impact for safety. Um, and we're excited to explore further and, and see if that uh, bears out. What about a city that does not have a lot of traffic um, at its intersections at any given time? So people are, tend to run red lights because there's no one else waiting. Is this a system that benefits cities with very little traffic, relatively speaking? So we do need some amount of traffic to be able to have enough Google Maps driving trends to be able to aggregate and, and say something interesting about those. So that's kind of one threshold area. Um, but within that, yes, you know, we can also see if a number of drivers, for example, are arriving at a traffic light and they're hitting a red light. That's something that we can then recommend to the city. Hey, maybe you want to change that. Maybe you want to, you know, reduce your cycle time, for example, is, is the, the technical jargony way that you would say it to a traffic engineer. But, but there are things that we can do in that situation as well. Amy shouldn't have asked that question because now she's not. Now they're not going to come. They're not going to come to I Spruce know. at 14th because there's never any traffic <laughs> except for when I'm trying to get to work in the morning and that's it. I know. That was my concern. Is That's one of the issues in downtown St. Louis as we try to rebuild it. There's not a ton of traffic where you're just waiting. But there are a lot of people running lights. But there are people running lights, and there are a lot of lights mm. that feel purposeless because they're red mm. for, like, seven minutes, <laughs> and there's no car around. <laughs> and, and, I mean, it's a real thing, and people run lights here. And I, if you could make it more efficient, would people be more inclined not to run the red lights? Well, without knowing the specific intersections that you're talking about, I, I can't speak specifically to those. But what I can say is, yes, absolutely, there are things that we can do that are better than having cars wait at a red light for seven minutes. <laughs> will, will there Hands ever, down, yes. Uh, Julia, will there, will there ever be technology that can uh, read in real time? Like, And I don't know, maybe that's exactly what this is, but it can tell how many cars are at the intersection right now and can be able to adjust accordingly 
you know, within seconds as opposed to, well, between the hours of four and six, there are a couple of extra seconds shaved off the east-west, but north-south, you have to wait a little bit longer. Will that technology ever totally be available? So that there is that technology um, that is okay. available, and actually it is available now, and Greenlight does not do that. I okay. should be very clear. That technology often costs thousands to tens of thousands of dollars per intersection, which is a real barrier for cities that have, you know, strapped budgets, unfortunately. And so what's so exciting about Greenlight is that we can say, hey, what are improvements that we can do with the infrastructure that we have today with adding no additional hardware, with you know, no long in-depth software integration. But when we talk to city traffic engineers, they say that they can implement our recommendations within a matter of five minutes. And so you know, five minutes of a city traffic engineer's time to improve an intersection for you know, however many drivers go through that particular intersection. But what we're seeing with just 70 intersections with green light now is that our, our solution has the potential to save emissions and reduce stop and go traffic for up to 30 million cars monthly that go through those just 70 intersections. So it's really high leverage, really high impact. Well, that it's really interesting stuff, and uh, it, it's good to talk to you about this, and and hopefully it can be implemented worldwide. And we'll we'll check back in later after you've gotten more data. Uh, thank you so much. We're really excited to be able to use AI to help improve the lives of people in cities around the world, and appreciate the chance to get to talk with you about it. See, everybody's talking about AI, uh, you know, destroying the world. Here's here's a way it can help. It can help with traffic. Uh, we agree wholeheartedly. <laughs> thank you, Juliet. <laughs> Thank you so much, Chris and Amy. Juliet Rothenberg, Climate AI Product Manager at Google. I'm going to send this story to a few people. In city government? That's right. So that's that's what's interesting about it is that they don't have to, you don't have to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars in mm-hmm. implementing a, a new technology, you know, like uh, sensors or whatever, that they can just kind of measure how the traffic is and adjust from there. I mean, it makes sense. You know, if It's we're, something. If we're creating algorithms yeah. and AI has so much capability, un- untapped capability, at least managing traffic lights should be, you know, a basic ability of yeah. our greatest minds. And uh, cool for Seattle and Abu Dhabi, but they should have started at 14th and Spruce. <sighs> That's got to be the worst intersection in the Damn. world. Damn. I hate it so much. The only cross traffic when the buses leave. That's true. That's the only cross that is, traffic. That is, oh. No one's it. leaving. Right. No one's leaving Bush Stadium at five thirty a.m. <laughs> or pe- at seven a.m. No one's leaving Bush Stadium. People are wondering what intersection we're talking about. It is like half a block from uh, Enterprise Center. It's when you're on on Forty West and you get off at Fourteenth and you turn north on 14th and there's that Enterprise, old hotel that's been there for and the bus station yeah. and you sit at that traffic light for hours a hundred hours hours it's awful amy marks cores chris ranji hey rob bradford here i have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what i have known for some time baseball isn't boring now i have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show players managers gms and yes even the commissioner of baseball rob manfred it has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices so join the revolution subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring listen on your odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast you'll be glad you did amox hey gotta congratulate buffalo justin who won our no prize pick'em challenge? We had uh, Circuit Attorney Gabe Gore in studio. 
participating. Uh, you and I were participating, mm-hmm. and Justin won with the uh, the with the tiebreaker. Had to be a tiebreaker wow. to to do it. Listen, Gabe Gore got off to a fantastic start. Yeah, he was four for four, and then uh, the Patriots and the Chargers and the 49ers screwed him. So mm-hmm. he got the Bills game right. You and I, I did terribly. I Terribly. did really. I, did I do worse than you did? I'm pretty no, sure. No, you I didn't. Did. No, you. I came in last. I only got two right. It's so interesting how you always come in last. It's true. Yeah. Huh? Did I pick the Bears to win? You did not. Okay. Nobody did except for Justin and I. Oh, that's and that didn't come on. That means fifty percent of Speaking us. Speaking of Justin, yeah, I think my guy Justin Fields might be done. Okay, I'm not going to lie. I saw that. Hit on Justin Fields and his head, his head whips back, slams against the turf and bounces up. It's one of those where it kind of makes your stomach sick to see it. What in the world? The the NFL has absolutely failed in that regard. And I know people who are fans of football, casual or otherwise, don't like a lot of the new rules that protect quarterbacks over the last few years from injury. But the league has realized the quarterbacks are the league, and if you you go from Patrick Mahomes to some bum, you're very much less likely to watch the game. Yeah, You're there to watch the quarterback play. So they realize we can't have these guys getting hurt. We have to protect them. Which somehow, is crazy because everyone is hurt. Somehow, Fields, mm-hmm. he has gotten zero, literally zero roughing the passer calls this year or uh, a late hit. And and it has happened at least once a game all year long. It's amazing. Why is it's, that? It's, I, I don't know. Don't know. And in the last one that you're talking about, he was sliding to give himself up, which means you don't touch him. I mean, you can touch him with your hands or whatever, but he's sliding to give himself up. Guy comes in like shoulder first and just absolutely wrecks him as he's going down. It's, it's outrageous stuff. Hmm. And their head coach should be fired directly into the sun as a result. Matt Eberflus sucks. Terrible. Sucks. Um, I hate him. This also He's fired. This for, all, not, for you know why? Uh, because you gotta you gotta protect your guy, and and if you get penalized and if you get fined, who cares? You get in those officials' faces and you scream at them until they penalize you, and then you go to the post game press conference and you say the league is screwing my guy and they need to they need to fix it right now. And you he get just fined not again. Care? He's just a He's dope. apathetic. He's a dope. That's his problem. Eberflus sucks. Well, how can you Mizzou, not you're lucky you got rid of that bum. Sucks. Anyway, what were you going to say? Well, oh, well, hey, the I Chiefs guess, game. How well, about this that nonsense? Stinks. The Chiefs-Dolphins wild card game exclusively live streamed on Peacock. I think we... A playoff game on a streaming wow. service nobody has. What are What in the world? And here's the thing. I think we have every streaming service known to man except for Peacock. We even have friend- we have friendly TV. What in the world is friendly TV? I've never even heard of it. That's how you watch Great American Christmas. It's like Hallmark. Well, so if you're anyway. in Kansas City, you get to watch on local TV. If you're here, you have to have Peacock or just listen to KMOX. Nonsense. It's Chris and Amy. The key moment in Barbie is when she goes from perfect beauty to bad breath, cellulite, and flat feet. Ah, or what casting directors call character actor. <laughs> <laughs> Some I wrote, some other people wrote. Robert De Niro's here. Yo, I got the gig 10 days ago. You want a perfect monologue? Yo, shut up. You're kidding me, right? 
slow down. I wrote some of these, and they're the ones you're laughing at. Look. Yeah. Uh, that might have been the funniest thing he did, actually, was, was complain about the writing. And because was, he was spot on, it was bad. Yeah, Joe Coy was a, a comedian who hosted the Golden Globes. I think the most famous monologues from the Golden Globes ever were those by Ricky Gervais, right? Because he just absolutely went for the kill when it went when it came to roasting the Hollywood stars. So you have Joe Coy. All right, let's give him a chance. I've seen some of his videos on TikTok. It's okay. Every now and then I've seen a few second clip and you laugh. It just came off as really, really flat. But my question is, why did he just get the gig 10 days ago? I don't Who know. Was he, was he replacing someone? That can't be normal protocol that you tell a host who has to write jokes that no, they're no, no. hosting. They, they know this months in advance. Right. So I don't know. I don't know what happened there. I tried to look into it. I couldn't find anything. Maybe somebody else knows. I didn't look that hard either. I should probably uh, preface it. I didn't care that much. Um, no. If you know why, 314-436-7900. He'll be in St. Louis, by the way, on Friday. He's at Stiefel, he Joe Coy. So guess what I did? I watched the entire Golden Globes. You did? Yeah. And guess what? Of all the shows, streaming or um, movies, everything, I didn't see any of them. Not None of the one. winners? No. None of the none of Nominees? The nominees. I didn't see Oppenheimer. I didn't see Barbie. I've never seen Succession. Um, <laughs> I've never seen Killers of the Flower Moon. That one's relatively new, so I I get it. I just I hadn't seen any of them. And Maestro's new. I didn't so, see Maestro. Well, it's 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 just it's hasn't been out that long. I didn't see anything. The Last of Us was nominated for you one. You didn't see Air. Nope. About Nike. Nope. <sighs> what do you do? I don't know. You didn't see Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse? I saw. That was the one where I have seen about an hour and 20 minutes of that one. I saw the last hour and 20 minutes. That's the only one where I even saw 60 seconds. Because just when you mentioned that, I remember I did watch it with uh, Peter Jar. You didn't watch Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 or Mission Impossible? No. John Wick 4? Nope. What, Amy? I know. Isn't that crazy? But here's the thing, Ranj. I read about them. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I read things. I you know, read the news, subscribe to a lot of newspapers. So throughout the year, I've read about the shows and the movies that are out, and I've read their cultural criticisms. I've read their theatrical criticisms. I've seen the box office numbers. And so every category, I would pick the winner sometimes, sometimes before the nominees were even listed. They would name the category and I would say, this is the person or this is the film. And I was right, like 99% of the time, which I felt very proud about. It's not worth anything. But I think it was because I hadn't seen anything. I had no, I had no opinion. I wasn't tainted by, by my own opinion or my own personal feeling. It was, I've just read on how the press has written about certain movies or actors or what have you. And I'm like, oh, this is a fun game. But yeah, I haven't seen any of them. It was kind of that's, interesting that's to watch. That's wild to me that you haven't seen any of this stuff. I know, except um, for the last hour, hour and 20 minutes of Across the Spider-Verse, the animated one. Yeah. So I was very... I've never even heard of the uh, the boy in the mushroom. It wasn't that. The boy uh, in the something. I, I had never even heard of some of these is. movies. Yeah. I'm not sure what you're talking about. The, um, I was very happy to see Succession win. Like, here's the way I, I, I feel about award shows. Yeah. And like even the Hall of Fame, stuff like that. 
I don't, I don't care that much. I kind of like to see the shows that I like or the movies that I like get an acknowledgement or if there's a, a an actor who's been struggling for 40 years and has been nominated a bunch of times and mm-hmm. never wins and then finally wins, that's a cool thing, right? Generally, I don't really worry that much about it. And I don't really have the feeling that, oh, my gosh, the Academy Awards are tonight. I have to watch. But if I'm watching, I get sucked into it. So that's not how I took it in last night. I I went and watched clips later. I didn't I didn't see the whole thing. I took thing. the whole thing in partly because I ate something that I was allergic to. Mm-hmm. Um and so that day I was ill and by the time the football games were over I was on the couch and down for I was down for the okay. count. Okay. So yeah. that's all you had to watch. I was watching well, football instead. Well, I watched football but then when oh, I didn't watch Sunday night football when yeah. the day Dolphins, games were Bills, over. Bills that was a good one. Yeah, when the day games were over. The Golden Globes came on, and I just laid on the couch and watched the whole thing. And um, is it, do you feel, 314-436-7900, is that one of those shows where you just kind of like judge the whole time, like, oh, I don't like that dress, and why is he sitting next to her? It was something, it was kind of fun. That's what Hollywood's for. Yeah. It's to do exactly what you're talking about. It's to judge. I was like, look at, it and exists. because I hadn't seen anything, I was like, oh. That's a weird pairing. Hollywood has always existed for us to judge. (laughs) Yeah, but there were people sitting next to each other that I couldn't explain. I thought, oh, isn't that crazy? Selena Gomez is sitting next to Meryl Streep, who's sitting next to Martin Short. That's so bizarre. And then Mason Jar would say, yeah, they were in the same show. Oh, Emily Blunt is sitting next to, I forgot who, and they were in the same movie. So I was impressed by the random, what I thought was random seating arrangements, but it wasn't. It was the shows they were in. Let me tell you what I was really happy about. So best television series, musical or comedy. There, I love Ted Lasso. We've gone over it. And they've won already a bunch of Emmys, like a ton of Emmys over the last three years. And Barry was nominated. Uh, Ted Lasso. The Bear was nominated and won. I'm really glad to see The Bear get its due because that show on FX, it's on FX or, or Hulu. Um, you can watch them too, I think. That show's really good. And I think it is, I shouldn't say it's underrated because it's not, but I'm not sure how many people are actually watching it. It's about that beef stand and the guy takes it over and, you know, he he runs it. And just the characters in the show and mm-hmm. the writing is really good. It was good to, to see that. Did you see Jury Duty? Did we talk about jury um, duty? I don't think we talked about it, but it was I, nominated but didn't win. It was on Amazon. I listened to uh, a lengthy news interview with James Marsden. 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 Yeah. Uh, who was in it? So I know all about it. I didn't see it, but I I was kind of interested in watching that one. It is. It is way better than I thought it was going to be. For those who and don't, so the concept. Yeah, you, you don't know the premise. It's that. There is one guy on jury duty who thinks that he's actually serving jury duty, but it's all fake. It's all actors. It's being filmed. He thinks it's for a documentary, Mm -hmm. but every single other person in the show is an actor except for him. What's interesting is James Marsden kept in contact with that. Yes. With that guy, because you may be thinking, well, how did he not know that it was a show if James Marsden was there. Well, he thought James Marsden had just been called into jury duty and James Marsden played himself, but a very arrogant version of himself. But the guy... He's very good in it. The guy in jury duty had to go to therapy afterwards because... For trust issues. Trust issues. And he had... And James Marsden said he actually felt bad and had to keep calling him saying, hey, these these phone calls are not being (laughs) recorded. You know, what you're living right now is real. These aren't actors. It's kind of cruel, though. I mean, it, it is, 
but the it, guy's doing okay. Uh, he's but he had to go to therapy for trust issues because he it, thought he was being recorded and that people were actors when they weren't actors. His name is Ronald Gladden, and now he's got like an Instagram following. And he yeah. gets to go to all these premieres, and he's meeting all these people. I think even on New Year's Eve, uh, Anderson Cooper and Andy Cohen had mm-hmm. him on with him. So, I mean, the guy's all over the place, and I don't know how he's going to parlay this into anything else. But people fell in love with him yeah, because he was just such a – it just seemed like a genuinely kind-hearted person and was – you know, these people would create these problems, and he's – trying the ridiculous problems mm-hmm. but he was earnestly trying to help them in their issues throughout the course of the Man, show that would be tough i don't think it's worth it for me the fame is not worth realizing that you've been duped and everyone you've interacted with has been lying to you and not only that but you were recorded so you're giving an emotional investment to help somebody going through a tough time <laughs> and you find out it's all a farce I, that would be a very difficult to recover from I don't know. Maybe at first. Uh, also, Joe Coy, who was hosting the Golden Globes, yeah, he made one joke because Taylor Swift was there, as we mentioned. Her Eras Tour movie was nominated. One of his jokes was, and this was actually one of his better ones, the big difference between the Golden Globes and the NFL, on the Golden Globes, we have fewer camera shots of Taylor Swift. It is That's not bad. Pretty, but also pretty benign. That's not a, that's not a sharp cutting joke that could hurt somebody's feelings it's pretty benign and she was not having it they showed her completely unamused straight-faced looking a little po'd she takes her champagne or wine glass and sips her drink and sets it down with a icy glare and i'm thinking okay even if he's not that funny don't look po'd you can look you can look bored, I guess, well, or you can kind of shake your head like, no, don't bring this at me into this. But she looked, her reaction, if she was trying to stay out of it, her reaction brought her into it because she looked so mad. I it's think not he was, a good look for her. I, think, well, I disagree with you. I think it's because he was bombing. And when comedians are bombing, it's very difficult to ever feel like you want to laugh at anything they say. Here's the thing, though. Comedians will do that and make jokes about body parts or sex lives. That's, I would get it. If he was making a joke about her, I mean, people have made pedophile jokes. They've made jokes about uh, private parts. I mean, he jokoid did that with someone else. That, I would say, don't bring me in to your nonsense. But a, a very benign joke about, well, we don't see as many shots of Taylor Swift. For her to look so personally offended, I thought she came across kind of uh, well. Then how do you feel? Appealing. How do you feel about Ryan Gosling, who did not laugh after this? Oppenheimer and Barbie are competing for cinematic box office achievement. Oppenheimer is based on a 721-page Pulitzer Prize-winning book about the Manhattan Project. And Barbie is on a plastic doll with big boobies. I watched Barbie. I loved it. I really did love it. Um, I don't want you guys to think that I'm a creep, but it was kind of weird being attracted to a plastic doll. It's just something about your eyes, Ryan. Okay, so right That's there. That's one of his better jokes. And they showed Ryan Gosling who just stone-faced him. So do you feel the same way about him? No, because I saw that. I saw that, and I just... he. 
kind of stone-faced him. No, he's stone-faced But when him. you also are addressing him, you know how sometimes they'll say, what do you think, Meryl, should you be happy about that? And then, you know, Meryl Streep, not in this case, but I've seen it before where they just look serious. Uh, Steve Carell did the same thing. Something about your eyes. Even that, to me, is... I don't know what was going through Ryan's mind, but that didn't bother me as because he was being addressed by the comedian as as Joe Coy just making the joke about Taylor Swift and her taking her drink like. I think it's just because you don't like Taylor Swift. Well, I mean, I think first it's of all, I think it's your your personal first opinion. First of on all, her. it could be my personal opinion, but it's also like the news. It's the headlines across all of the coverage of the Golden Globes is her response and her being PO'd. Yeah. That's that's not my opinion. That's what I observed and what like millions of other people observed. And then Ryan Gosling did the same thing, but you thought that was fine. I it didn't I didn't hit me as much. Maybe mm. because no one cares about Ryan Gosling as much as they care about Taylor Swift, right? She's the phenomenon. So people are going to pay more attention. Um yeah, I, I just he wasn't he wasn't that funny. It was awkward no, he wasn't. laughing. But I, but again, I think it's because he was bombing. When I'm serious, I think that once a, a comedian starts to bomb badly, that's all you can think about when you're watching is, oh, my God, this is going really awful. And so even if they have a good joke, you're not in the headspace to laugh at it because you're thinking about how bad he's been. Tell me if you think this. I'm always amazed when there is an awards show and you have all these actors and actresses who are pretty built up as just incredible at their craft, which many of them are. A lot of them are not great. They don't have great command of the English language. They don't have a lot of composure when they win an award. A lot of them are very bumbly, stumbly. And I guess to a point, it can be endearing to see someone just totally overcome. But your average athlete does a better job I think, of giving a post-game interview or being excited about a playoff win than your average Hollywood actor or actress who seems as if they can't speak unless there's a script in front of them. So I find myself wondering, is there something wrong, you know, with Kevin Costner? Is he just old? Or why is this actress stumbling so much where it's like, oh my gosh, I just, I can't, oh my gosh. I don't know. I, I feel like you should be able to have some composure. Like I, I, said, I think I, most of them do. I don't see it the way you see it. Yeah, I feel. I, and I don't think athletes are better than them. I think some athletes are really good at it. Some are terrible at it. And it's the same way with with actors. Um. Let's also with the Golden Globes. What was I? I can't remember. What I was going to say with the last one, but it is fun to watch it. And I think with with women, a lot of times if you watch it with women, because that's the clothing side of it, if you're talking about dresses, um, it's like picking out the different dresses or looking at the different hairdos. I had seen this look was in. It's called the mermaid hair. And it's where you want your hair to look like you just got out of the shower. So you have dry hair and then you put a ton of product and gel in it to slick it back so it looks wet. Not my favorite. <laughs> I- <laughs> Okay. I, I would say all I can think of is if I had the chance to go to an award show and I'm going to get my makeup done and my hair done. It's called and, mermaid hair? Yeah. Because I Google mermaid hair and it's just like it's photos of purple and, and blue hair. No. And this uh, influencer slash model did her hair this way for the holidays. So you could kind of tell that it was becoming a trend. Huh. Listen, maybe maybe these actors and actresses are so used to having their hair and makeup done and are so used to going to galas and fancy events and award shows that it's not that special for them. So they, they can take Do a something risk different. on wet hair. But I, all I kept thinking was, oh my gosh, if this were my big moment, like that's what my hair looks like when I when I mess up. Or when I don't have time to dry you it. You should do mermaid hair tomorrow. 
Oh, it's bad. No, no. Right. I, yeah. I look like a it's naked mole rat. Yeah, you should do it. All right. Tomorrow, Amy will show mm-hmm. up to work with mermaid hair. Looking it's forward to it. not a good it. look. It's Chris and Amy on KMOX. All right. As we uh, finish up our discussion of the Golden Globes, uh, I will say I'm not all critical of Taylor Swift because one of the things that we all do when we watch the show is we judge the outfits, right? The dresses, the suits, the tuxedos, whatever it may be. And I thought Taylor Swift looked really, really pretty in like the simple green, I think it was sequence gown, right? So she looked absolutely gorgeous. So that's my compliment for Taylor Swift that a lot of people had some odd dresses. She looked really good. Um, but in her defense, there I read yesterday a 5,000 word essay a guest essay from an editor and opinion of the New York Times, Anna Marks. Uh, it's titled, Look What We Made Taylor Swift Do. And basically, this long, rambling opinion piece in the New York Times is speculating and positing that Taylor Swift is gay or bi. And this Anna Marks, who writes this long Jeremiah ad, says so because you can tell in the lyrics. You can tell in Taylor Swift's lyrics that she's trying to come out but can't, doesn't feel open to come out, and that she's only dating men because she feels compelled by the patriarchy to date men. And it's a bit rambling, and it is a bit circuitous because at times this Anna Marks is almost accusing Taylor Swift of being too cowardly to come out and then backs off and then said basically, well, what... If your uh, sexual orientation is your own, then you don't owe anything to anybody. But if you're famous, she owes it to the community to come out. And I'm just thinking, oh, my gosh, like you don't even know her. You could be if she is. And who cares? Right. Do what you want to do. If she is, you're outing her before she wants to be out. Then you're also accusing her of being too scared to come out. I found it very odd. It's very strange. And her evidence is that some of the lyrics support the idea, but maybe she's just supportive of the community. Which is what Taylor Swift has said. Yeah. Anyway, it just struck me as like, Anna Marks, like, you need to back off a bit. It's Chris and Amy on KMOX. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.